0: In London, this is The Economist. You're listening to Tasting Menu, your opportunity to sample the most toothsome tales from across the week's coverage. I'm Anne McElvoy, chef de cuisine at Economist Radio, and on today's menu. Adam Smith is known as the father of modern economics, but he died in 1790, so why should we be reading him today? The first in a new series on The World Ahead asks, what if 50% of CEOs were women? And why European nudists are covering up. But first, the internet has changed many things about how we work and how we play. But its most profound and unintended effect may be on the biggest decision most people make in their lifetime, choosing a mate. Our cover
1: story explored the mysteries of love in the digital age. In the early 1990s, the notion of meeting a partner online seemed freakish and not a little pathetic. Today, in many places, it is normal. Globally, at least 200 million people use digital dating services every month. In America, more than a third of marriages now start with an online match-up. A bit of technological assistance has actually made it easier to be lucky in love. Researchers found that marriages in America between people who meet online are likely to last longer. Such couples profess to be happier than those who met offline. The whiff of moral panic surrounding dating apps is vastly overblown. Precious little evidence exists to show that opportunities online are encouraging infidelity. But the impact of this massive social experiment is only just becoming visible. Evidence suggests that the internet is boosting interracial marriages by bypassing homogenous social groups. But daters are also more able to choose partners like themselves. Assortative mating the process whereby people with similar education levels and incomes pair up already shoulders some of the blame for income inequality. And though you may decide to swipe left or right, the choice isn't as free as it seems. Now enormous numbers of people rely on a few companies to meet their mate. That hands a small number of coders tweaking the algorithms that determine who sees whom across the virtual bar tremendous power to engineer mating outcomes. In authoritarian societies especially, the prospect of algorithmically arranged marriages ought to cause some disquiet. But we argued the modern way of love is more often for better than for worse. Digital dating offers millions of people a more efficient way to find a good mate. That is something to love. To find out about how the way we couple
0: up is changing more than just our love lives, read the briefing in this week's Economist. And if you haven't already, subscribe. Do go to economist.com slash radio offer. 12 issues for $12 or £12. You could even share it with a mate. Now, the online shopping revolution is old news. It's become normal to order clothes and shoes to be delivered to your door. But for years, the industry has been stuck on a critical problem. What if it doesn't fit? Some offer free returns at huge cost to themselves. Now, though, a Japanese company
2: may have hit on the solution, as a piece in our business section explained. In the past three months, Start Today has distributed to just over one million Japanese customers free of charge its Zozo suit, a skin-tight, full-body suit covered in around 350 fiducial markers, small objects that can be used as a point of reference for measurements. Shoppers slip on the suit and slowly rotate as their smartphone takes photos. The resulting 3D body scan tells them everything they need to know, and rather more, I imagine. Made to measure business suits for men from its Zozo brand are selling strongly and jeans and T-shirts that fit most snugly from tens of thousands of pre-cut patterns. Other companies are watching closely. Fast Retailing, a giant which owns the Uniqlo brand, is one firm looking at ways to measure the body using smartphones. But until other companies start suiting up, the Zozo suit has a chance to go global. An attempt a few years ago to take the Zozo Town platform into China Hong Kong and South Korea, before it came up with the body measurement suit, failed. Since July, customers in 72 countries have been able to request a body measurement suit to help them buy clothes from the Zozo label. But the company will still have to work harder than it does at home to persuade people to squeeze into it. For some, of course, however good the fit, no clothes can measure up to your birthday
0: suit. Since the 19th century, Europeans have been particularly enthusiastic about public nudity, from Scandinavian saunas to the beaches of the Mediterranean. But European nudism is in decline. On the week ahead, our Current Affairs podcast, Europe correspondent Matt Steinglass revealed all.
1: People are growing more conservative, and younger people in Europe are more conservative about their bodies than older people are. Uh, so the, the people who you're seeing at nude saunas and at nudist beaches tend to be older. And there's a more general sense of conservatism about people's body image among young people, which most people feel is tied to the Internet and the ubiquity of smartphones and a kind of perfectionist body culture among young people these days. They're not willing to take it off because they're all nervous that they don't look right.
0: This week, we've been practising our prophecies in the first of three special podcasts looking at the world ahead. In 2017, the World Economic Forum estimated that it would take 217 years to close the gender gap. So our correspondent, Sasha Nauda asked, what if 50% of CEOs were women? How would the world of work look different? You're not just looking at a more gender-balanced workforce, you're looking at a more diverse workforce. And we've known for years, I mean, tons of studies have now shown that diversity in senior leadership leads to better business results, leads to more innovation, leads to more successful companies.
2: So finally, then on your 50-50 pledge and the idea that this might be adopted in Davos in 2019, you've put that idea out there. Do you think that's going to really happen now?
0: A few years ago, I probably would have said no. Now I'm very quietly hopeful. Um, There are so many tailwinds at the moment, and you you could see them leading to enough pressure on business leaders to to make this type of commitment. So let's wait and see. Over in the Britain section of this week's paper, an article investigated one sector suffering a chronic shortage of men.
1: One reason I can do stand-up comedy is because of all the material I have from being a male nurse, says Adrian Mattai. False stereotypes about nursing make for good jokes, but they may also put men off the job. Just under 11% of nurses registered in Britain are male, a share that has been steady for over four decades after climbing from 1% in the 1950s. The profession badly needs to broaden its appeal. In 2017, for the first time in a decade, more nurses left the profession than joined. Applications to nursing programmes are down by a third since 2016. And the shadow of Brexit makes it tougher for the NHS to fill its 40,000-odd nurse vacancies from abroad. The caricature of nursing as women's work has deep roots. Florence Nightingale, who established the principles of modern nursing in the 1860s, insisted that men's rough hands were not fitted to touch, bathe and dress wounded limbs. The Royal College of Nursing did not even admit men as members until 1960. Outdated titles such as sister and matron, used for men as well, do not help. If I had a pound for every time I've been called doctor, says Richard Dowell, a third-year nursing student. But even here, the stereotype works in men's favour. When Mr Dowell started his nursing studies, he was promised, you'll go further because you are a man.
0: The latest podcast in our Open Future season travelled to Scotland in search of the father of modern economics, Adam Smith. In The Wealth of Nations, he championed free trade and open markets, but it was published in 1776. Heather McGregor, the Dean of Edinburgh Business School, explained why we should still be reading Smith today.
2: I think we need him more today than we did actually in the 1700s. He was a passionate advocate of of the ability to trade freely and without barriers. He had some very impressive things to say about taxation, actually, why it was necessary to be definite about it and have it properly planned and collected. I think he would be horrified to see the length of the UK tax code if he was alive today. And he really had some interesting things to say about how nations should progress. I mean, his view was that if there was too big a gap between the very richest and the very poorest, that it would be difficult for a nation to progress. So all of these things are tremendously relevant today, 300 years later.
0: And finally to our books and art section. A lot has changed in Turkey in the last few years. Only a decade ago,
1: the country was fast becoming the hip new darling of the art world. The first Istanbul Art Biennale, held in 1987, had reputedly attracted 10,000 visitors. By 2013, attendance reached over 330,000. Gallery owners such as Haldun Dostolu could hardly believe their eyes. Things I could not imagine were happening, he says, Kate Modern was knocking on my door. Istanbul was becoming a magnet for Europe. But as President Erdogan clamped down on political dissent, things started to unravel. According to one study, some 12,000 millionaires, including several big collectors, have recently left Turkey. A currency crisis that has seen the Turkish lira lose about 40% of its value against the dollar since the start of this year is bound to force others to tighten their belts. Promising artists have decamped too. Many no longer see a future for themselves in Turkey. Scores have moved abroad, especially to Berlin. Some have been imprisoned. As a result, the once daring Turkish art scene is becoming studiously apolitical. You go to the big shows, says Sena, an independent feminist artist, and it's as if there's nothing happening in this country. A gallery owner says he is anxious about displaying a piece featuring a nude woman at an upcoming fair. Five years ago, I would never get nervous about criticising Erdogan, the army or the police, says Hassan Top, a young artist. Now I have to think twice or three times about the price I might have to pay.
0: That's the end of this week's Tasting Menu. But as ever, you can find more of all of these and other stories at economist.com or from Economist Radio on your podcast app. And if you like what we do or you have suggestions for how we could do it even better... Leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. And do rate us on iTunes. I'm Anne McElvoy. In London, this is The Economist.